Hello and welcome to Zip Radio Podcasts powered by Synerzip. I'm your host Madhura Gaikwad and I'm joined today by Vinayak Zograkar, CTO at Synerzip and Gaurav Gupta, Senior Engineering Manager at Synerzip. Gaurav is an AI ML expert and has agreed to join us today to discuss the top technology trends and predictions for 2021. In the last episode, we discussed cloud as one of the top technology trends and predictions for 2021. Vinayak shared some great insights on the acceleration of cloud adoption, hybrid cloud, edge computing and more. Today we will deep dive into the second most trending technology that will take center stage in 2021, which is artificial intelligence and machine learning. And this we have identified based on our survey of 170 plus CXOs and technology leaders as well as our observations from client interviews and research documents. For listeners wanting more information on these trending technologies, we have also curated an ebook that covers the nine technology trends and predictions for 2021 in detail. You can find the link to download this ebook in the description. So, welcome on board Vinayak and Gaurav. So, my first question to both of you is that there is a lot of progress in artificial intelligence and machine learning algorithms. These algorithms are easily available on public platforms such as TensorFlow and AWS. So, previously very few had access to such ready algorithms, but there has been a very big shift in 2020 and AI democratization is one of the top contenders in 2021 predictions. So, how will all of this pan out in 2021? Yeah, so this is we going to see more of it. If you see the number of people uh, who were not actually data scientists, they were just developers who have picked up, you know, by doing uh, some of the courses on Udemy and Coursera and stuff like that. They are pretty much up to speed on how to use the algorithms that are available in the public domain, as you rightly pointed out. So AWS has now SageMaker. so another thing that has got democratized is the availability to computing so there are some of these algorithms that uh, it's not only the algorithm that was hard to find or hard to get at but it was also the computing power that is needed to support it that wasn't so easily available but today you have uh, on the cloud all the computing power and very quickly you can put together the needed computing as well as uh, the algorithm so that is going to move to the next level so you have a lot of gpus available on the cloud and that is going to change the landscape where it's not something which is reserved for a few people sitting in the ivory towers this is going to be completely democratized so it is just like uh, going to be a part of uh, the standard development and programming just like what you have on the ui or database machine learning artificial intelligence is going to, so the bigger problem and i'll come to that problem later is the data i mean the processing and learning and algorithms and that part is pretty much available what is the problem that we are going to have is the availability of data and secondly experience in putting these things in production and putting them to actual use and not just having these as laboratory experiments where you are just proving that uh, these things work and i'll let gaurav tell a little bit as to what he sees this where he sees these things going but in my opinion it's not going to be the algorithms or the computing that is the bottleneck it could be the data and ability and experience of people 
in deploying these models in production that's where we are going to see the bottleneck uh, but i'll let gaurav speak what his opinion is so gaurav what do you think yeah vinayak uh, as you said uh, rightly this is going to be majorly on the data side and also on the how we productionize these models and monitor those models so i think 2021 the major focus is going to be the ml ops area where we are going to manage the models build the models and monitor the models how to build that infrastructure because that is the major pain point in any machine learning work which has to be done and uh, as these algorithms are getting democratized one major benefit which is going to come down the line is that domain specific understanding which is required for machine learning slowly that may move out where you may use any domain data and algorithms are good enough to find out the features for your domain instead of you defining the features so that kind of democratization for domain agnostic machine learning algorithms is going to happen and uh, ml ops is going to be a big deal in the 2021 Yeah, so we'll talk a little bit about this later. Domain agnostic is something which kind of uh, makes it very, very interesting because, particularly for people who are in a country such as India, and we are trying to support our clients who are all over, mainly in the Western countries like United States and Europe. So we don't have the context or the domain knowledge that is required to support modeling. So. for building that model domain knowledge is needed today now what gaurav you are saying is even that may not be required going forward so we'll talk about that a little but sure. madhura you had conducted some sort of uh, survey and what are people saying right yes vinayak so based on the survey one thing that we've observed is that there is so much uh, progress uh, that is expected in aiml and that is very much uh, you know visible through the survey and uh, the surveyors also observed that 37% of the respondents which were mostly technology leaders and cxos said that ai ml were among the top skill gaps that they foresee in 2021 that will affect their product roadmap oh that is interesting yeah skills availability of skills is also another issue that we will have to overcome so uh, you know in my opinion it's not rocket science so it's just the way it happens with every skill that is on the horizon you know initially to start with there is always this skill gap and for which people have to scramble to hire but very soon you will find that lot of new talent is attracted to this hot field which is very promising which is very remunerative and people will pick up so there will be a lot of availability also very quickly so by the time we start productionizing and uh, doing ml ops and you know meeting the overcoming the data famine in various ways i think talent availability as also by uh, will keep pace with that is going to improve but uh, yes for now i think people have to buckle up and start learning these skills so that is what uh, i think so gaurav what do you think how are we going to deal with uh, the current shortage of talent and uh, how long do you think it takes for someone to pick up these skills i think there are two uh, things means uh, the people who have the experience in software development or coming from some other backgrounds generally learning one time and just applying that knowledge becomes a straightforward thing for people but in machine learning is somewhat different that you have to whenever a new problem comes you have to think through from the scratch 
you have to understand the domain you have to understand the business uh, and the outcome so i think uh, that kind of understanding few people are not very much capable of doing that sometimes but yeah mm-hmm. i understand so if people are interested i think it may take 3 to 6 months to acquire this skill at a good skill from where they can start working on some new projects or something and maybe a 1 to 2 years of long term roadmap where they can become the expert in the area yeah so the problem you know madhura that at least in my experience with software engineers is that they think that every problem has a solution and in machine learning there are several problems which don't have a single solution and some of them don't have a solution at all so it's a, a journey as dora rightly pointed out and you have to apply several different approaches and you can never reach 100% you are always you know if you measure in terms of uh, accuracy or in terms of recall you are somewhere near uh, 80% 90% you can and it becomes harder and harder as you approach 99% right i mean and you can never reach 100% that is one change that software engineers who are used to the precise way to define things and get the right outcome and the output using the right coding that uh, i think the it's a change of experience for them so as gaurav rightly pointed out it's not the same it's slightly different and also one more thing to add over here that experience of multiple fields and domains like maths physics chemistry maybe images 3d worlds those interests if you have multiple domains then it becomes easier to do the things for example a software engineer may not know very well how audio works but if you want to do machine learning for audio like speech to text you have to have the knowledge of how audio works right some audio knowledge so that kind of multidisciplinary knowledge is also required a good amount of times to become an expert in this kind of machine learning areas and i can't agree more with you you know even uh, somebody who is doing text processing needs to know english grammar right i mean yeah so you have to be a linguist kind of guy it's not very straight for you need to have that domain in the context without which uh, it's not the same as you know picking up uh, say a front end skill such as angular or react and you know uh, and if you have a wireframe you can just build it so madhura uh, you know this data thing is take us to the natural language processing i mean uh, that is where i think plenty of uh, availability of data is there so structured data which is uh, you know where lot of the machine learning used to happen in the past you know that is hard to come by one thing companies who have lot of data they are not completely digitally transformed and they are sitting on the data and they don't have the wherewithal to utilize it in the right fashion and there are companies who are further advanced in machine learning but they are not having the data i mean there are a lot of the companies they are like all dressed up and nowhere to go because they have the algorithm they have the know how but they don't have the data right. so to come out of this chicken and egg situation i think natural language processing seems to be the natural choice because there's lot of data that is available on uh, to be scraped from the web the like whether it is twitter streams or social media streams and other social media or uh, even images and videos and there's plenty of available public domain where you can use it for natural language processing in combination with machine learning 
So, uh, Gauro, I think in 2021, do you think you'll see a lot of this natural language processing taking lead over pure play machine learning where you're crunching just numbers? True, I think natural language processing, robotics, and IOTs, these kind of areas are going to pick up like anything in 2021. And uh, one more thing which I have observed, which is going to happen in 2021, people and companies are going to get educated what data has to be captured, even if they want to do machine learning in future, because you need historical data sets. Many of the companies I have worked with, we have found that they had the data, but data was half-baked. It was not the complete data and that data becomes useless as a historical data for the machine learning. So companies knowing even if they want to do the machine learning down the line a year or so, they need historical data and what data has to be captured. That is very important. If you don't have the proper data, then whole data capturing becomes, you know, useless, all that data. Yeah. In old times, we used to say garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. So uh, one customer, they were capturing the data from the global scale, but they were not keeping from where requests are coming. They were having timestamp and everything. Now everything translated to GMT timestamp, but not knowing from where these requests are coming. Now you can't train a model which can take the time as the major feature, right? And their hmm. product required major feature as the time. Now that data is useless, right? Because we don't know from where these requests were coming from. Yeah. So, uh, you know, who knew at that point of time that uh, you would be using for machine learning. So exactly. another thing that you alluded to was IOT and edge computing. So that is another way of overcoming data famine is you're going to have millions of these devices that are going to be spread all over and they will be sensor data that will be gathered from these devices. And already, I think we have more of these devices than cell phones. And it's going to be like 100 times the number of uh, sales phones that we have. So it will be close to a trillion of these devices very soon. We will, that Those devices will be sending so much data. Now, one trend that I foresee that will happen is that instead of sending all the data to the cloud and then doing the decision making on the cloud. So a lot of the decisions also need to be deployed at the edge because the business context exists at the edge and that's where the decision has to be implemented. So it's far easier when you reach the decision where it is to be implemented at the place where it is to be brought into action. So that is what is going to, you know, bring a new paradigm, which is, uh, you know, on the cloud, you'll do the learning and creation of model, which would be a periodic, if not one-time exercise. And then once this model is ready, that model will be pushed to the edge. And on the edge, it could be very, very low computing, maybe your cell phone, maybe a Raspberry Pi, or maybe an Arduino board in which the model will reside and the inference will be drawn at the edge and outcome of the inference would be displayed to the human expert or the execution, the person who's actually going to take action on that decision that he would be able to reach based on the inference. So this type of working is going to bring in what we call as more of active learning wherein you know the human at the end may say that okay his uh, particular inference is right or wrong or it needs to be improved and that same would in turn go back into training the model further so with every use the model will become smarter and smarter 
So I'll let Gaurav talk a little bit more about this phenomenon that we are going to see of active learning and what he sees as the future in going forward in 2021. I feel that active learning is going to be a major player in the market because uh, most of the behaviors which we are seeing on mobiles and uh, mobile applications, many things can be done by artificial intelligence on the cloud and models can be deployed on the device. For example, speech to text kind of thing, which requires the web. Now Google is pushing the models on the device itself. So many Android devices, new versions are having the speech to text functionality, which is on the device, not on the cloud. So I think that is going to change uh, the way companies are using machine learning for uh, many scenarios. Yeah, so you mean is... like they can be dictating notes to my Android phone, even though it is not connected to the internet? Yes, you can do today also. Means today they have the application for speech to text and write on Google application that doesn't use the web, that uh, does it offline. Up to my knowledge, uh, they've done it a few months back. Yeah, and you know, I had recently worked on one project where this is specific to the pandemic era where you know you want the camera to be smart enough to know whether someone is wearing a mask or not. So that needs to happen in a very quick way. There is no way to process that the inference by sending the image on the cloud. So person who's waiting at the gate can wait, can't wait for that long just right. to check temperature and whether he's wearing a mask or not. Such image data can be processed right there at the where the camera is at very, very, very low computing power. So there are many, many applications like that we are going to see in 2021. And, you know, active learning is one thing, but, you know, this data famine, if you don't have enough data, then I have heard about this. And this, I think, Gaurav, is your area of expertise, that you can actually borrow an existing proven model or you know, and use that and improve upon that. So can you talk a little bit? I think uh, what I'm talking about is transfer learning, if I'm not wrong. Or yeah. Can you tell me? Yeah, Vinayak, uh, what you are talking about is exactly what transfer learning is. So idea is uh, very similar that uh, if some kid knows one language and you want to teach them another language, they can pick up very fast because they already know the concepts of what is the language is. So it's coming from the same thought process that how humans learn transfer learning that if they have a skill similar kind of skill learning is not a big deal it can be done very fast not putting that much effort so in transfer learning for example means uh, you take the images and you train a model which can reduce the dimension of the image to few variables and recreate that similar image from those variables so we know we named as a latent variables so this is like an encoder decoder architecture where you encode the whole image to few variables. From these variables, you decode the image properly. You train this kind of model a lot. Now the problem and based on this latent variables, you remove the decoder and then you do the prediction whether what is the category of the image, let's say. Now the thing is your domain images may be very less. For example, I want to classify between two basic images, let's say, suppose a cycle and a bike. I want to segregate two things. I may have maybe 50, 100, 200 images, let's say, but it's very difficult to train a model only with 100, 200 images. You need millions of images, for example. Now, here we can use the transfer learning approach. What we can do, we can take freehand images from the web, a lot of images, let's say millions of images, train a model, 
with the encoder decoder which doesn't learn anything except to encode the image and decode the image take that once that model is trained take that model take your 100 200 images of cycles and bikes and tune the model with the very low learning rate so that it can adapt to new data because already it has understood the concepts how a image has to be encoded and decoded once this model learns your bikes and cycles with a very few learning rate and maybe in a very small time after that this latent variables of the encoder can be directly used for the classification so you can apply from one domain to another domain similar thing now cutting edge is going into the nlp side also where people are doing similar thing on nlp they take the wikipedia data train it train a language model which is now Gaurav, understand the whole uh, english yeah i think you have done it right i mean yeah we have done the both things for different customers we have used the transfer learning for images also for a customer for segregating their images between uh, multiple class finding out the similar images basically that if i give an image can you find the similar image from the data set we have used the similar technology transfer learning for that customer and for the nlp also we have used the similar technology where customer had data from the api data and uh, we are using that api data in the language model which was trained on the wikipedia to retrain with our api data and uh, finding out doing the classification of the api data sequences whether they are uh, in which direction customers are going whether they are yeah. going to use application more or less or what so yeah, transfer learning is a very powerful concept uh, and uh, I think in other areas like video processing, robotics, uh, robotics and car driving, I think uh, people are using it from long time in these areas. Doro, these car driving, for example, this is uh, great, totally. I mean, you know, I'm just concluding the discussion that we had on transfer learning. Like uh, necessity is the mother of invention. And when we have, we are faced with data famine we overcome that uh, even with less data we can make do with by using this uh, latent variables and encoder decoder model that's this right. is something which is totally very innovative but you mentioned this in passing just in the last minute about driving right i mean that is a very very different process right i mean you start from somewhere you reach the goal but the actions you take and uh, let's say if you have fitted a camera on a self-driving car and you try to see what all steps happen, it differs from time to time. And, you know, every time a driver doesn't uh, reach the destination in the same way, I mean, there could be hundred different events and actions that happen along the way. So it's not a straightforward thing. And then how do you train such models? I mean, this is something which is totally mind boggling. Yeah, uh, what you're saying is true that this is mind-boggling and uh, even understanding how it really works is quite complicated. So in a nutshell, if I want to say the techniques which we use here is not the transfer learning, mainly we use the uh, reinforcement learning where we have a simulated environment, for example, a real life car also, but that will make so many accidents, how many cars we can use and speed is going to be slow. Robot is learning how to change the gear, how to go up and down, or how to accelerate, how to de-accelerate. It may take maybe months on a real car for a model to train, even to de-accelerate and accelerate maybe uh, learning. So usually what people are doing in this situation, we, we use reinforcement learning in a simulated environment. Like you can take the game of like NFS game engine, 
and uh, you have different perspectives so use every perspective camera as the input for speed game right? i mean it's a yeah. video game yes and need for speed it's a game it supports all the features which cars have and uh, it already it also has a different camera angles which you can use it has the night mode it has all the weathers your car will scared uh, muddy roads everything can happen which happens in real world so you can create the simulated environment train the model on a reinforcement learning techniques where you are working as a reward and punishment mechanism that your target is to reach this destination in between if your car gets damaged then it's a punishment for you if you go properly it's a reward if you reach if you take too much time again it's a punishment so we set up a punishment and reward mechanism over there and it's learning continuously so that it can achieve the target properly we do generally in a simulated environments like training the robots how to pick up the objects how to paint a car how to assemble a car everything is done in a simulated environments and once models are trained then again it's not exactly transfer learning but quite a kind of transfer learning that we take that model put on the real world robot and put on the real world car and then we ask this model to be retuned on the real world data which is coming from the cars and the robots so here we use the reinforcement learning for training the cars and all that so i think this is something that uh, you know it's very easy for us to uh, say that driven autonomous cars are going to come but uh, you know we don't know what goes behind so this is something which what we're going to see maybe in 2021 or maybe towards the end or maybe next year we are very likely to see extensive use of reinforcement learning so right. this is exciting doro and i can't wait for these things to pan out very very quickly so that we can start using these things for our benefit so goro thanks a lot for your time and thanks for joining us so madhura is there something that Uh, you wanted to cover today that we didn't uh no i think panak we covered almost everything that we had discussed and this was a great session and i would also like to thank gaurav for joining us and uh, thank you gaurav and thanks vinayak you're most welcome madhura it's always a pleasure for us thanks and that was a brilliant session and we will continue to discuss these tech trends and predictions for 2021 in our upcoming episodes Thank you everyone for tuning in. If you are looking to accelerate your product roadmap, visit our website www.synergy.com for more information. Stay tuned to future Zip Radio episodes for more insights on technology and agile trends.